Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. And for the Fateful, I'm David Staples, the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Oh, excellent. My wife made a fantastic breakfast, so and we're going to go out cycling in a bit, so uh, it excellent. should be a good day at our good household. Day, Blue, Blue sky. Yeah. Blue sky. Yeah, we've got a route that we take through the West End, which is fantastic. So we're going to do that. Thanks. All right, how are you? <clears throat> well, haven't really stepped out the door yet or had any breakfast, but uh, uh, just uh, got the uh, word on uh, uh, this morning's news of the Oilers' big change in the coaching ranks, uh, firing uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft and his uh, defensive assistant, Dave Manson. After uh, less than two years on the job, actually, let's say 21 months on the job, and bringing in uh, Chris Knobloch and uh, new-slash-old defense assistant Paul Coffey to uh, replace the uh, outgoing men. And it's it's uh, a move that's got uh, Jeff Jackson's fingerprints all over it. Sure does. You know, one funny comment I hear, Bruce, is like, well, one thing I always think when I hear like, oh, they've had so many coaches in so many years, like it's like a new coach every year. And then I think, yeah, just like every other year of Connor McDavid's entire hockey career in his whole life, minor hockey, you get a new coach every year. Um, Junior hockey, you often get new coaches. Now, I don't know, maybe in Erie, um, he might just had Knobloch the whole time, I guess. That was the the longest stretch with the same coach, maybe McClellan lasted. McClellan, three and a half years, yeah. Three three years and 20 games, you know. Eternity in the NHL, three and a half years coaching a team. Uh, That's a long time now. I don't know what the average stay is of an NHL coach, but I don't think... mm -hmm. This is that unusual. You, you, maybe it could be proven to me otherwise that the orders are more happy on the trigger figure, trigger finger than the uh, other NHL teams. But uh, th- that's one thought I had. It's like, yeah. it's not, I don't know if that's that. Like the players are going to be confused. Come on, hockey isn't that complicated a game. Um, I don't buy that at all. They should be able to, they should know these systems quickly inside out as part of being professional. They should be able to learn fast, adapt quickly. It's a terrible it's a terrible critique. Oh, well, we brought in a new system and the players, uh, it was, that was asking too much of the players. Are you kidding me? That's their whole job. And it has been since they were young players to learn hockey systems. Yeah. It's the stupidest co- kind of critique that you will see and you see it all the time. So that's my, one of my uh, pet peeves. Bruce, um, we're going to go through some comments um, on the story of the firing of Woodcroft and the uh, hiring of Chris Knobloch, um, Elliot Friedman, I think it was, who broke it this morning. I was, and we'll just talk about your initial reaction, mine, just quickly. I was, I thought after last night's game, when they finally, finally, finally played a great defensive game, which is what Woodcroft's been trying to achieve since he got here, and all the other coaches before that, um, with the Oilers, have tried to achieve. They, they did it again. You know, they did it last year, fairly often. Um, they played solid defensive games. Not enough, though. Anyway, I, th- I thought finally last night they got it together. Great defensive effort. Just four grade-A uh, shots against. This is a team that averages 13 grade-A shots against this year. And they just allowed four. So yeah. I thought, man, he maybe this is maybe he's turned it around. But not 
to be not to be when when did you know when did you what did you think about it bruce and when did you realize he was going to get the get the the gun well the word has been word has been circling for a while that this road trip would be uh the decisive thing and uh uh there was talk that if they lost after the San Jose game uh, in Thursday, that it might happen then, or that you know they might just wait for the end of the road trip and then do it, which is how it turned out. Uh, uh, some of my friends at the Heavy Hockey Network, uh, Oilers Live, they got and, it right. Uh, 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 Michael there at Oilers Live uh, had it on Friday morning that this was going to. Uh, play out, and he suggested that all of uh, Woodcroft Manson and uh, uh, Ken Holland uh, might be axed. And then he later revised to say Holland might, you know, remain with the organization, but uh, in a little, you know, less of a decision-making role than than obviously he has been as the GM. And I think just the nature of the replacement hires here says this wasn't his decision. This was Holland's coach that got let go. And this was Jeff Jackson's coach who got hired. And I think that tells us plenty about the uh, structure. As for when, uh, last night um, in the post game, uh, there was a, uh, Woodcroft had, had a bit of a field day the last couple of days with some of the local media. Uh, uh, notable among them, Mark Spector of Sportsnet, which happens to be the rights holder. And, you know, and he was a, uh, uh, he made a wise comment to him about uh, not reading his stuff, which was, you know, just sort of interaction stuff. And clearly there was something behind it, but he was very flippant in the post game last night, uh, fielding a question from Spectre, giving a one syllable answer and immediately turning away and, and his attention somewhere else. And at that moment, I saw that and I thought, you know, that's beyond what you normally see. And either he knows already that he's on his way out and he wants to get his digs in before he goes or else he's suicidal. And I don't think it's a ladder. So I think he's probably gone. And I'm sure enough, 10 o'clock this morning, he's gone. So he surely yeah. knew it. And, and some saw, saw him departing the ice in San Jose with Manson and conversing with each other and saying, this might be it was how the lip readers had it. Yeah. I don't, and I think that's so very, uh, who the heck iffy, knows, but iffy, uh, uh, that loss in San Jose was a killer. It was, and I thought they it, had yeah. to come out of this road trip with a couple of wins, and they only got the one impressive as it was. Yeah, I thought he would be fired on Friday, actually, after that loss to, to San Jose. And it sounds like it was in the works. Good work by the uh, heavy hockey guys. They mm-hmm. looked like they got that scoop, and that's excellent work by them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how often that happens. You know, there's someone who will hear something kind of on the fringe, or more mm-hmm. of the fringe of the hockey world. And they'll get it out there first. It's it, there's been another number of other stories. Uh, I can't list them right now. I'd have to go do some research to. But uh, there's been a number of times where it's been broken by people who aren't the uh, what most well-known insiders. Um, so well, here's what three Frank, by them. So here's yeah. um, Frank Saravalli um, has this to say at the Daily Faceoff. Um, Lots of people will say Chris Knobloch lands in Edmonton because of Connor McDavid. But what is clear is Oilers CEO Jeff Jackson has a big belief in Knobloch. As agent, 
Many of Jackson's clients played for Knobloch. McDavid, Connor Brown, Alex Dabrinkit, Taylor and Darren Radish, Travis Dermott, and Ben Harper. So, bad list. Yeah. So what we, I mean, a lot of people are calling for Holland to be fired. I think it's clear that Holland's an advisor now to Jeff Jackson, who makes the calls on trades, major trades, oh. maybe, maybe, all, maybe everything. Jeff Jackson is the GM of this team. I think just based on the number of decisions we've that have been made and his fingerprints at least being all over them, Jeff Jackson's the GM. Ken Holland is senior advisor. So he's he is no longer the decision maker Jackson is. Do you think that's that's my assessment Bruce? I mm-hmm. could could be wrong. Yeah. What do you think of it? You think that's a credible assessment? Well, in my post that I just, I'm going to quote myself briefly saying, make no mistake, today's moves were not orchestrated by Holland. Instead, they bear the fingerprints of Jeff Jackson, hired by Oilers this past summer. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, in my travels of the internet, I came across uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, and he found, he in, in turn found an old article from 2017 from uh, he wrote- AP. Oh, he uh, it was it. actually written by Stephen Wino of the oh, AP okay. mistake, in yeah. 2017. And he uh, mm. talked about, uh, the article was about uh, the hiring of uh, of uh, a rising coaching star on Dave Haxtell's staff in, uh, uh, in Philly, that being uh, Chris Knobloch. And it says, Agent Jeff Jackson has been glad to send McDavid and prospects, the guys you just mentioned, the Radishes, Dermot, to bring it to Erie, where Knobloch improved their NHL stock. And here's the money quote. Connor David was going to play in the NHL no matter if Chris coached him or not, but he made Connor a better player, Jackson said. He teaches a culture of winning and speed and puck movement, but he empowers all the kids. And that sounds like a pretty good recipe for what the Oilers need, even as they already had, I think, a pretty good recipe of what they needed. But but uh, um, Jay Woodcroft was not uh, Jeff Jackson's man. And it's clear that uh, uh, Chris Knobloch was a long time ago. I mean, that's a six-year-old quote I just gave you. Yeah, I, that's, that's, that's interesting. I will take... I will say that I think what the Oilers need is actually something pretty different than that. Mm-hmm. that the offensive stuff is, comes pretty naturally to them. The puck mm-hmm. movement, the winning attitude. These guys all—they're all winners. Like they have a winning attitude. What doesn't come naturally to them is playing fundamental defense. And we've had Todd McClellan, Ken, Ken Hitchcock, Dave Tippett, and Jay Woodcroft all come in. The first three guys were noted defensive specialists, hardcore defensive specialists. Yeah. None of them. Oh, none, of them, them. none of them. None of them could get this group of players, the majority of the players, to play consistent fundamental defense. This is a team that is plagued yeah. by weak back checking. It's plagued by open looks in the, in the defensive slot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just, it's endless. It's not every player on the team. And, I, and, I, and you know, specifically, it's I don't think it's, there's some conscientious defenders. Connor McDavid, Matthias Janmark, Derek Ryan, Cody Ceci, Brett Kulak. But to me, everyone else on the team is on some kind is on is a, on a scale of iffy to terrible when it comes to their defensive fundamentals, and we've had a series of coaches come in and try to change that, and they have been unable to do so. And right. what I 
the only thing I can think, Bruce, is I think this is finally coming to a head. That it's it's pretty clear, you know, with all the rush chances scored against the Oilers, that this is a team with massive defensive problems, and um, maybe the players themselves now. And this is the only way it's going to change because McDavid changed himself from a a iffy defensive player into a, a conscientious and good defensive player. Um, I think that it may be a moment where many more of them make that realization and turn the corner in terms of playing defense in the NHL, which will allow mm-hmm. them to make the playoffs. They won't even make the playoffs if they don't do that this year, and they let alone win the Stanley Cup. So to me, mm-hmm. I don't know if not, all coaches preach defense, in, including Knobloch. So yeah. that'll happen as well. But um, to me, that's the big issue. Yeah, well, I guess where where I sit on it is that if he if he coaches a speed and puck movement game, then he'll be coaching to the strengths of the team. You know, bringing in some guy that you know, some Italian soccer coach that just wants to park the bus in the defensive zone would uh, would be just very you know coaching away from the team's strengths. So you know, there's a fine line in there, and obviously you you want some combination of all those things. Uh, but if he's emphasizing speed and coach puck movement, well, the orders are pretty good at that. If that's, you know, the style of play that he wants to teach, but speed is a two way thing as the great Bill James pointed out in baseball, but it's equally true in hockey. that the speed is the one element that applies in both offense and defense. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's something that, some of the Oilers have learned better than others, as you point out. Uh, empowering the kids is something that uh, uh, a lot of folks uh, have uh, been kind of complaining about, even with Woodcroft, which originally was seen as a strength of his. Um, but this year, the kids have been getting pretty limited uh, ice time and opportunity. And uh, uh, if he has, uh, the new guy has some way of blending that in, I mean, the the key is can the kids play hockey well enough to earn the ice time and not you know not get blitzed during it and we'll see i mean he comes in with dylan holloway just having played his best game in the nhl uh he's got young Raphael lavoie who played under four minutes last night and philip broberg in the minors i mean those are the only three ken holland era draft picks that are even on the team and yeah. so far this year, among them, they played 25 games and they have one point. All it's funny. goal last night. The trend with all the coaches getting fired, we see the same things happening. We see an over-reliance on McDavid and Dreisaitl yep. uh, on the same line. We see yep. no third line to speak of. Oh, last night, Woodcroft made a point of having mm-hmm. a third third line. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> no fun, like less and less ice time for the, for the um, bottom two lines. And more and more reliance on veteran players as opposed to younger players. And this is the trend with each of the coaches who got fired, I believe. Mm-hmm. In in their last months, we saw that increasingly and we just saw it again. Mm-hmm. Bruce, let's go to some of the comments. Kurt, here's sure. from Kurt Levins of the Cult of Hockey. Uh, Kurt, here's what Kurt said. My initial reaction is that this is a mistake. Perhaps I will be proven wrong. I feel for Jay Woodcroft. Mistakes have been made by him, yes, but this whole mess has hardly been on only him. Bing, 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 winner. <clears throat> I feel got... for Jay Woodcroft, but I, you know what? I also, I don't think pe- people should grieve too, like, 
grieve too much for Jay Woodcroft. He got a chance to coach Connor McDavid. He got, he, he realized his lifetime dream of coaching in the NHL. He signed a multi-million dollar contract and he's still getting paid. He had two shots in the playoffs with, with, with a fantastic team um, to win. He had some, some real success and then he had some failures. He's, he's, I think clearly going to get another NHL job. More than that, though, he is to me. He's shown signs of like strong, really strong character and a sunny disposition. I don't think that Jay Woodcroft himself is. I I could be wrong. I do not know. I'm not. I'm not reading his mind right now. I have a sense though that Jay Woodcroft is just fine, and uh, yeah, he'll have some bitter feelings about this, that, and the other thing, which which goes with getting fired, but. I think he's going to be just fine, and he is just fine, and he's going to get another NHL job. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> talk about playoffs. He's first Oilers coach in 25 years to win playoff series in consecutive seasons. The last guy to do that was Ron Lowe, who won one series each in 1997 to 1998. And those two years were the last two years, and he got 13 games this year. So it's... To say it's a mistake, I mean, you obviously need the long-term view, and we're we're at the turning of the page, and we haven't read any of the new pages, uh, so it's premature to say that. Um, but he sure got a short rope, and unfortunately, this slow start coincides with the only time that he's been working for Jeff Jackson's Oilers, and it was Jackson who's you know his sample size of Woodcroft is very short, even as he uh, allegedly watched every single Oilers game during Connor McDavid's entire career. Uh, He's only been sort of internal to the team since, uh, you know, a few months ago. So premature or not, you know, let's say premature without saying mistake. And I would like to see Woodcroft with the track record that he's already established, which is the best points percentage in the history of the Oilers. Uh, And uh, uh, coming off a 109-point season, uh, maybe warranted a little bit more, but there's a changing of the guard above him, and now he's been swept out with it. Every, Every new GM, whether he's named that or... Got some other whizzy title like CEO of hockey operations. Every new GM wants his own coach there. And it's pretty clear that Chris Knobloch is Jeff Jackson's guy. And Jay Woodcroft, for all of his strengths and uh, endearing qualities, was not. Yeah, it's entirely predictable. Um, Whether it was a mistake or not, it's entirely predictable when a team is in the dumps. You know, it's the goalie and the coach. That's First, they got rid of the goalie, Jack Campbell. (laughs) And that was a really, that was definitely not a mistake. Campbell needed to go to the minors where he's continued to struggle. His game isn't NHL quality. It's not close to NHL quality. It hasn't been since he got here, mm-hmm. truth be told. So yeah. that was, that had to happen. Woodcroft, um, I was, I, if they had stayed with, with him, I would have been okay. I'm okay with them firing him. I'm just, <clears throat> we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't have a strong... I have a strong feeling about the need for the play in the players on the team to finally wake up and realize mm-hmm. they've got a problem. And I hope they've hit rock bottom in terms of their defensive play. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed last night they're all capable of it. They right. know how to do it. They just don't. 
They choose not to. They don't prepare mentally before the game to do it. It's not their focus. It's got to change. And if it doesn't change, they're going to keep suffering. And that's that will be, I think, a conscious choice. Because as you say, Bruce, this is a fast team. This is a team that has the speed um, and the physical assets to play defense. It's just mm-hmm. the attitude that isn't there. Let's move on to a couple comments um, that are going to, I'll read two comments in a row because they kind of go hand in hand. <clears throat> this is from Oilers fan Dennis King. Um, how did that out-of-date dullard, Ken Holland, survive this? And does McDavid own the team now? That's how it looks. And then from Oilers fan Regan Podolich, or Podolich, some of you Oilers fans may not like Woodcroft was fired. Calling out McDavid for calling the shots on the next coach? Tread lightly. Turning mm-hmm. on your number one player, though, yeah. it's, a, it's a business, and winning is important. No different than, say, they're running the 80s, the show in the 80s, and um, ins- insulating handpicked people around Gretzky. So what's your thoughts on, on this? Like th- this idea that there's this um, friends of Connor who are now um, here, there, and everywhere. As in his former agent, now his former coach. Yes. Now uh, in uh, positions of extreme power on the team. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe so. Do you want to criticize and dump all over him? I don't know. I don't know if he's making the decisions or who is, if Daryl Cates is, if uh, uh, he's uh, reading the the tea leaves or or, uh, involving McDavid in the decision-making process. Uh, To some degree, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, what's done is done, right? And and it's uh, uh, the the you know the record of the general manager who's in place. Uh, and I disagree with Dennis on the point of him, you know, still surviving. Well, yes, he's still around. Uh, and I think the heavy hockey guys got it right with their sort of revised take that uh, uh, that he might not be outright let go, but he will. Uh, uh, have a, a reduced role in the decision-making of the organization. And I'm frankly quite interested to see who will represent the Oilers at this afternoon's press conference coming up at 2 o'clock Mountain, if you subscribe to Oilers Plus, apparently, to watch it, which I do, so I will watch it. Uh, but uh, uh, whether that'll be Jeff Jackson uh along with the new hires, uh, Chris Knobloch and good old Paul Coffey. Uh, and whether Holland will even be part of it, he may, he may well be, but it'll be interesting to see the interplay among those principles uh, in, in the uh, news conference itself. And there may be a, a tell or two uh, there, but it seems to me that these decisions, probably the, the Campbell demotion and almost certainly the coaching change were not of his doing. I suspect Holland will lead the press conference and Jackson won't be there. <clears throat> That's my won't, prediction. Won't be there? Won't be there. Okay. Which is, I'm less sure on, but I'm, I think Holland will lead the press conference. Okay. Um, my take on the whole thing, McDavid calling the shots is, well, like on some level, I hope so. Like, <laughs> not that he's calling the shots, but that he's he's been consulted in in a reasonable way. That, that he knows what's going on and he's good with it. I think that's essential. Players, mm-hmm. this isn't Bruce, yep, this yeah. isn't 1970 or 1960. 
uh, or 1950 when 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 you know they let Gordy was it was it sorry they let Gordy Howe fill in his own contract knowing him he'd only give himself a thousand dollar raise or something because he was so the humble. The story was that Jack Adams would 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 present him with a uh, with a blank like oh the contract with a blank thing and and say Gordy you fill in your own figure and Gordy would always shy away and say you you know best Mr. Adams you pay me what you think I'm worth. Ah, so the players and Jack were, Adams screwed him. They for they were years, and all the players were. Many of the players were similarly naive about business in those days. Yep. The players these days are not naive about business. They are sharp. <laughs> they're smart. <laughs> they're on top of things. They're running. They all have they, they have, and they're and listen. Connor McDavid can be a free agent in two two and a half years from now. So uh, two and three quarters. So. um it's not like the NBA where the actually the players conspire and get together and make trades and then force everyone else to go along with what they've come up with. I think that's literally how the NBA works now. And uh, for sure. Yeah. The players do that. I think they do that. You know, Connor Brown arriving on the team and working probably all working together on that with Ken Holland. There's a lot more buy-in needed from the players. There's a lot more input. The, the, the star players have a tremendous amount of power within their teams. And I, I, I suspect Connor McDavid is fairly, uh, he's not aggressive in, in this regard. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably, he, he strikes me as a very, um, um, he's, he has a certain, he, obviously he's super, super confident. But there's, a, I think, also a certain amount of humility about him where he wouldn't be super aggressive and saying, I want this, I want that. He doesn't strike me as kind of the petulant type of person at all. He's more of a te- much more of a team player. So, yeah, I think he's consulted. Yes, I think they respect his opinion and they listen to it. And I think they should. It's right that they do so. I'm glad they're, they're doing so. I'm glad. I thought it was a masterstroke hiring Jeff Jackson, um, his former agent. He's completely qualified to be a GM of a hockey operation. They made the the best pick they could possibly make. Now, whether this all turns out and they, and they actually win a Stanley Cup, this group of people, that's a, that's a whole other question. And I think it comes down to the issue that I raised, honestly. Like, will enough of, will all of the players buy in on defensive hockey completely? And, and, and that's, that has to do with the coach. So I hope, you know, they have a coach who, who sells that idea, but it's, you know, they all have to do it. And McDavid is leading the way in that regard. I think Connor McDavid is a leader in in terms of trying to get these guys to play defensive hockey. So I'm good with Connor McDavid. I don't have a problem with anything that he's anything that he's done as an Oiler. And now or, we have a Hall of Fame defenseman showing defensemen the way to uh, playing great defensive <laughs> hockey. I mean, all of us who remember the '80s will uh, remember uh, Paul Coffey <laughs> first and foremost for his stalwart defensive play. Security <laughs> sticks the knife right between the eyes. I Stop love Paul Coffey. Don't get me wrong. I'm very interested to see how he does, but it's a curious move given his sort of lack of coaching experience. Yeah, he's been around the NHL. He's been around the Oilers for a few years now, and clearly he and uh, yeah. uh, he's been his his role is elevated since uh, Jeff Jackson's come on the picture. I'm okay with them hiring Paul Coffey as an assistant coach as well. Like I know people are going to hate that. Like some people just hate that, but well, like great... maybe they'll start blaming him for every goal against now instead of sticking Dustin Schwartz with the responsibility. 
no news yeah. on him, by the way. And that'll that'll yeah, help. Uh, I'm sure his name came up in some of the internet comments that you uh, were going through. Yeah, um, that is. So Paul Coffey, as the coach, um, he doesn't have, like you say, Bruce, he doesn't have the normal credentials. A lot of a lot of people being NHL superstar is the only credential that you need to get a coaching job in the NHL. I mean, what credentials is, you know, a lot like, you know, a lot of people have risen quickly. If you were an NHL superstar to a high level of management and the bigger the superstar you were, the higher level you get promoted to right off the top. So oh, that this is not unusual and it's just an assistant coach. He's just the assistant mm-hmm. coach. It's not like, it's not like the other guys, um, Maybe if someone like Paul Coffey, who's a super, he will know how to build on the strengths of the players. Put it that way. Like Evan Bouchard, yeah, he will Bouchard, know how to get the out of a player like Bouchard. But I think Coffey, you know, maybe Coffey preaching defense, which I'm sure he will. In it, um, hearing that from one of the greatest offensive players in the history of the NHL might carry a little bit more weight. Uh, he played, Coffey played defense well enough to be on a number of Stanley Cup winning oh, teams. Oh, sure. Oh, no. And a number of Canada Cup winning teams. He was he 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 was in some ways had to go through the transformation uh, that uh, you know to more of a better defensive player. He was never he was never like you know Rod Langway uh, in terms mm-hmm. of defense, but he he became an ad- at least an adequate NHL defenser mm-hmm. defender. So and I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility for Evan Bouchard. So um, man, he's got so much hockey experience. He's been around hockey all his life. He's a hockey lifer. He, he just knows hockey inside out. And he knows the psychology of great players because he was one. Mm-hmm. And maybe if he's good at that, maybe. And he does strike me as a perceptive person. From I've talked to him, interviewed mm-hmm. him a couple times no. um, at length. Um, I've listened to his comments closely on different issues. And I just, I str- he strikes me as being very perceptive, very sharp guy. So I'm okay with, he's just the assistant coach. He's not the head coach. Right. So um, I think it could work out. That could. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a different role though. I mean, you, you talk about some of the great superstars that have gone to prominent roles. Often they've kind of been in <clears throat> overarching umbrella roles like Brendan Shanahan in Toronto or Cam Neely in Boston where, you know, they were above the GM, but the, you know, the GM had the, Hockey decisions, whereas getting right into the coaching staff is is uh, different. I mean, famously, <clears throat> Arizona Coyotes tried making Wayne Gretzky their head coach, and that didn't end well at all. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll see. I'm hoping that he can at least teach some mindset. And uh, one of the criticisms of the Oilers was that uh, uh, of the makeup of the team as now is that they don't have any prior Stanley Cup winners in the room. Well, they sure do right now because Paul Coffey won uh, one, two, three, four Stanley Cups in two different cities. And, uh, was it just I'm four? Up, <clears throat> yeah, three in Edmonton before he uh, was traded Detroit? out of here in 87 and one with Pittsburgh in 91. Didn't he win a and, cup with and Detroit? Detroit? No, they lost to uh, New Jersey in the 95 Stanley Cup Finals. The year he won is that the year he won his last Norris Trophy? It's around that time, anyway. Um, but you know, he succeeded in a, a lot of different places. Uh, I'm in, very interested to see too, and, and we, who knows when this guy makes it back up here. But 
what he might be able to uh, um, help Philip Broberg with, who was yeah. you know, a, a very fine skater. As I mean, Coffee is obviously an exceptional skater as a D-man, and whether he might be able to uh, uh, help Bro- Broberg turn the corner and and use his mobility to greater advantage. So he's been the head coach for two years of um, high-level AAA teams uh, in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, U15 and U16. Um, head coach of the Pickering Panthers of the Ontario Junior Hockey League one year. Skills coach of the Oilers two years. So, Skills and then all coach. of his playing experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, uh, Bruce. Let's just um, final thoughts let me just see if there's any other quotes you have any final thoughts on this then oh, uh, uh, well nothing final it's all sort of transitional at this particular moment in time but uh, <clears throat> uh as mentioned i'm keen to hear what they actually say if anything really at the uh at the press conference today uh, i do want to say i wish jay woodcroft well in his future endeavors and uh, i'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere maybe in ottawa under steve Stales, as uh, uh, some like pointed out on the internet and also uh wish uh, dave manson well uh i had not realized until just this week when uh, his son josh went on a mom's road trip that uh, uh Josh's mom, Dave's wife, had passed away in the summer, so he's been be- dealing with bereavement in very recent times, and now he's got this piled on top of a crap Sunday, you know. So it's uh, <clears throat> some of the t- sometimes these things are tough at the personal level, and uh, uh, those guys gave their best that they had to Edmonton Oilers, and now they'll presumably do the same and they may well go as a as a duo land somewhere else as a uh coaching i think woodcroft has established his credentials and he will get another chance somewhere in the in the nhl yeah i i wish them both well as well uh i just i thought jay woodcroft was a really strong coach for the oilers um and um I uh, wish it had such a shock that it turned out this way. So fast, uh, yeah. Yeah, so fast. It's We're still all reeling. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, I just want to do... There is one more comment that I found on the goaltending. Oh, this is from Darcy Woodguy McLeod. Goalie expert Kevin uh, Woodley said last June, quote, all the Oilers had to do was look at Jack Campbell's adjusted save percentage in Toronto and they wouldn't have offered him that contract. Mm-hmm. Today, Woodcroft loses his job because the NHL guide and record book doesn't have adjusted savers. <laughs> that is a very funny comment. Um, so, now, Wood Campbell was the best. Like, they needed and they needed another goalie. They needed they needed a, mm-hmm. a goalie, right? They needed a goalie. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get Darcy Kemper, who they, who they really wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was going to Washington. I don't know how, I don't mm-hmm. think he's done that well there. Um, so Campbell was the next best bet, and that was the price. Mm-hmm. I, at the same time, Darcy makes a good point. Um, but necessity drives, and op- necessity and opportunity drive a lot of decisions. Who's available at what cost? Who's the alternative at what cost? 
And, and for how many years would be my addition to what the cost is? You know, if, years when you've been. got an up and coming goalie and Stu Skinner, who's who's going to play in the NHL right away to bring in a guy with a five year roadblock contract to be your starter was a bit excessive. Like there was other options available of, you know, trade for a guy with one or two years left or, you know, but yeah. uh, they made the big splash and. Uh, I saw something interesting on Campbell yesterday. I, I won't say there's anything to it other than I found it interesting. And that is between his first half and his second half in Toronto, in his last year in Toronto, where he absolutely crashed from like a 9.35 to 8.86 uh, in the second half. He'd spent some time out of the uh, out of the lineup on COVID leave. And we've heard of some players, uh, um, Jonathan Taves, uh, famously among them, but also uh, uh, the young fellow from uh, Minnesota, Rossi. Uh, Sutter. And, yeah, Brad Sutter. Sutter. Yeah, 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 good point. And I would add the name of Yasef Yarvi as a guy who left the team with a COVID illness in uh, December of 2020. And was never as good after he came back. And I mean, we don't know what's going on with any of these guys. I'm just throwing it out there that this observation was made and it's just enough to make you stop and go, hmm. So, but of course the orders, I'm not sure how they would even scout for that before signing the guy, but. Uh, I hear so much from the anti-vaxxers, Bruce. I'm good. They're all the anti-vaxxers are muttering. It's, it's the vaccine, Bruce. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. vaccine. Anyway, let's not get into relitigating COVID debates. Um, a lot of a lot of people are saying though that the owners had good analytics, and um, and they so they certainly were getting more shots at net, way more shots at net, and more way more shots on net as well. But I think this the this hands being a little overplayed. This idea, when we dig down into the shots, Bruce, we have found that for the very best shots in the slot, wide open shots in the slot area. The opposition actually has a has an edge, a slight edge on the Oilers this year. It's 87 to 84 for the opposition. So on the five alarm shots, they're going 33% of the time on average, the opposition has an edge. Overall, yes, the Oilers, I think, had, when you factor in all the other shots as well, the Oilers had a slight edge or a bit of an edge in play. I'm going to suggest it, it's closer to about 50-50. Um, and, and in terms of expected goals, what you'd expect um, from the shots, shot quality, you'd expect the owners to have given up about as many goals this year as they've scored. That's not the case. So the so the difference there, the reason there's a difference is puck luck, shooting luck from the owners, bad shooting luck, and good goal, better superior goaltending from the other team. And I do think superior goaltending from the other team is 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 a, other than McDavid's injury, that's the biggest part of this story this year. Everything else is kind of the same. But um, um, McDavid's injury and the uh, and the weak goaltending play compared to the opposition is why the Oilers have been in this have this had this terrible slide and it, it fundamentally it's the reason Woodcroft's out. Well, this morning uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, who's uh, a well-known analytics uh, data provider, has uh, posted goal differential above expected all situations. And has Canucks at number one in the league is 34 plus 34 better than might be expected from their underlying numbers, and the Oilers dead last at minus 24. And I pointed out just in the three games between the Oilers and the Canucks, 
that difference was 14 goals. The Oilers were expected to outscore Vancouver by two and got outscored by 12, 18 to six. And I watched those three games and there's no way I would make the case the Oilers were the better team over the three games. I don't care what the analytics say. I also would say Vancouver wasn't 18 to six better than the Oilers. They were getting some shooting luck and some save luck. You know, they had the better goaltending and they had... uh, uh, and they're a hot shooting club. And just last night, we finally saw a little bit of of adjustment where Vancouver lost by three and Edmonton won by three. So, the, you know, those, those that huge margin is probably a little less this morning than it was yesterday morning. But it's just a gigantic difference. But dead last in the NHL. I don't six, believe that. Six worse than the Sharks in terms of versus expect. I mean, the Sharks numbers suggest they're real bad, and so do their goals numbers. So the disagreement isn't quite so much. The Oilers say they should be well above 500 for goals, you know, 50% of the goals, and they're not. They're closer to 40%, and that's a losing formula in this league. And I, I, I don't just accept the raw values of the analytics, but I would suggest that the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It's certainly pointing in the right direction in this case. It's directionally correct. It's a little overstated, but uh, and our numbers found the same thing. We we are mm-hmm. finding the Oilers should have about mm-hmm. the same number of goals as they've given up, yeah. um, and they don't. They're not close right. to that. So uh, um, we're we're coming to the same conclusion. It's just not as extreme as as uh, right. No, so our numbers are more moderate than these, and I would suggest they might be a little closer to to uh, the truth. Bruce, let's leave it there. You're going to cover the press conference today because you have Oilers Plus and I do not. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Time Thanks. for now and uh, back Thanks at her in an hour. Okay. All right. Thanks for talking, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.